0: And it's time for the weekly QA that we call Splunk Talk. Episode number 35. Recorded March 11th, 2011. Winning with Splunk. Duh. <laughs> hey, it's Michael and Maverick. Got a couple of questions today. We're rocking the house. Got some stuff coming up. Let's do some Splunk Talk. Splunk Talk, whole about. Splunk Talk. Splunk Talk. Yes, 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 we're back yes. Back We of Splunk Talk I'd like to say the core group is here today Who's the core group? Michael and Maverick That's right, Maverick Maverick of, of Splunk Maverick of Splunk in Dallas, right? That is correct. Yeah. For those who who listen to Splunk Talk, or you already know this, uh, for those who are new, Michael Wild, Splunk Ninja guy, he's out of Austin, and he's got a cold today. Sorry. Um, Maverick Garner is up in Dallas, and uh, yeah. we're both Splunk dudes that just talk about Splunk pretty much all every day.
1: All the time. Yeah. And then we don't have real or fake Jeff today uh, again. Now, you so know what? We, I'm not, a,
0: what, look I'm not even gonna fire off the fake Jeff sounds anymore. Okay. Really? Wow. Yeah. I think he's stuck in Blago land or something like that. He's off Some... doing his thing. <laughs> he's... So um, we'll see if you know we we may be uh, we may we may be inserting other folks into the show soon. So we'll 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 test that out.
1: Do you think? Do, do you think he has Tiger blood and that's why he's not here?
0: Uh, you know, you know, I got Tiger blood, man. Probably. Probably. He, probably he probably it's it's coursing through his veins.
1: All right. Whereas you have you have ninja blood. That's the that's the difference. I do. Yes. I have I have I Maverick do. blood. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm. Uh, the only thing I'm addicted to right now is winning. I just had to. I just had okay. to do Charlie Sheen sound bites because <laughs> I find it incredibly funny. I mean, I don't think that dude is even acting anymore. I mean, uh, sorry. I don't even think that dude has got a problem. I think this is all an act. And it's a lot more entertaining than Joaquin Phoenix's act of leaving and doing that, you know, fail movie called I'm Still Here. If you didn't see I'm Still Here, don't watch it. It's a waste of time. Anyways. Why are we here? We're here for. Okay, Maverick and Michael got a couple questions today. Hopefully we do a nice, short and sweet episode. Um. First oh, question I got on it. the docket today. I got, it. I got it for you, okay? All right. So, so you ready for this?
1: All right, I've got web logs. The question is, I've got web logs, and I'd like to identify IPs or users that have not visited my site this month. They have not visited my site this month. I've tried using time chart count by client IP where count is less than one. So
0: that's like what they're typing in there, right? But the, no luck. What's the deal? Good. Why doesn't it work? Good question. Well, technically it works the way it was designed, but not the way you think it works, okay, or you want it to work. So so for those who are just new to Splunk, um, this person is retrieving web logs. He's probably doing a, he or she's doing a search on access combined, and then he's using the pipe character, just puts a pipe in there, and does a command called time chart, and the time chart's going to count up every occurrence of any unique client IP, and it's going to create time buckets in there and these time buckets are going to be based on whatever uh, time range it is. So let's say an entire month would be week-long time buckets, I think, or days yeah. maybe days. It does it, it it figures it out automatically, but you can yep. set the span yourself. So let's say he's going to look over an entire month, his span will be set for for a you know, let's say a day. And Splunk will then calculate this out and figure out how many times, let's say, Eric's IP was here in the whole month, okay? And it'll do that, let's say, by day. So certain days, Eric's IP, for example, will show up. and certain days, it will be zero. And if you've ever used a command like stats before or even, you know, where, you can say where count is less than zero when it comes to, you know, stats, because that's Mm -hmm. one giant pile. But a time chart is piles of data done in each time um, bucket. So again, that time bucket might be a day, an hour, uh, or a minute. Now, if you look in the docs, it talks about a where clause. So you know, go to the time chart page, and you think you want to go where count is less than one. And count is less than one really means did you appear at all in any of the time buckets? Not If you um, didn't appear in any of the hours, okay, because that where is really for is your IP included in the series, okay, which statistically is correct, but for the user who really wants to find out, did Eric not show up this week? And you know, web logs would be an easy case. You want to take attendance to see if people are logging in. That's a great way to do it, right? Yep. Look at yep. look yep. your login, your logins. Um and so what you can do is you run your search, you pipe it to uh time chart count by client IP, then you pipe it to a command called untable U N T A B L E. Look in the docs or just try it. Go to untable. And then you select the X and Y column. So let's say the X column is gonna be underscore time. The Y column might be client IP. And let's say what you're gonna go against, let's say would be count. And what Splunk will actually do is it will turn that output into what looks like the output of a stats command, which is normally just a table. In this case, it'll be a table that has every time bucket, let's say nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and every unique value that's in each of those. And the count, which also means that if Eric's IP um, didn't visit, it's going to say zero. So then that person could pipe that to where count or search count is less than one. And he would he or she would get every IP that didn't hit visit his website this particular month. It seems like a weird way to go about it, but um, statistics guys... Uh, develop, you know, commands to match some statistical need. And we users are, are sometimes behave a little different. So at Splunk, they end up creating a lot of different commands to deal with the situations that you have, and that's kind of how it's done.
1: That's pretty cool. So it's kind of transforming it from the time-based view of things to this more of a a, a lump sum thing, so it can, so then the, when you do it where less than one, it actually then applies it to, properly re- rather than by the time bucket, but properly by the by the count, that's
0: pretty cool. I'm gonna have to try that untable. And the thing to remember about this is, this is not for the purpose of graphing,
1: okay? yeah,
0: or charting. Because time chart will take care of the chart already. Yeah. Um, if you need to go back and chart from the untable stuff, that's doable. But in this case, the person was actually looking for the data and not the chart. And of course, you really wouldn't create a chart where values were zero. Yeah. Because then it would just be nothing. Like yeah, this.
1: You were so, <laughs> dead, like you were flatlined. So. It's just an XY axis and nothing graphed out, yeah.
0: Right, yeah. So, um, Okay, I got Very a question cool. for you, Maverick.
1: Okay, hit me.
0: I'm using Windows SCOM, or System Center Operations Manager, and monitoring like custom app instances. However, when one of the apps goes down, SCOM does not know about it because it only monitors it at the application pool level, which is up, and running, so everything oh. looks fine. Can Splunk help me work around this?
1: Can it? Well, yeah, of course it can, because um, of because it can. well, well, I mean, well, it's going to depend. I guess it's really going to depend on how much granularity that Windows is providing, right? On the version of Windows you have, and typically. It it will probably, if it's in a pool thing like that. From what I understand, and I'm I'm not by no means an expert on Windows to this degree, but have helped people doing these kinds of things with SCOM um, before. uh, From my understanding, the at the perfmon level, uh, Windows will keep track of the fact that there's an instance running in the pool. In and and that there's multiple instances, but it may not be able to tell you which instance is which one. Like it may not give you that granularity, for example. So, but but, um, but you can still, even in that case, still be able to have a Splunk use WMI uh, to go in and get that, or or um, you, know, you know, be able to get that perfmon information and know that there's at, at an instance level that there's four of them, and it'll it'll it name. I think Windows will name it like instance one, two, three, four by whatever the pool name is. Like a like a pound sign or something like that, with a with a number, and you could still get that in the and it's, it's a unique piece of text that you can like pull out into a field, right? Extract out into a field and say, make sure there's always more than you know two or three instances, however many you have in the pool. So if you let's say you had five in a pool on a on a production server, you could always say if less if less than five, as far as those instances go, then um, send me an alert. Then you'd be able to know you'd be able to augment your SCOM by having uh, an extra alert go to you to tell you, it, it may not tell you which one, but it'll tell you that you lost one out of the pool and that may be just as important to, uh, just sound like what this the user asking this question is probably wanting to do. Um, and that's, and it's, so it's pretty, pretty easy. You just have to base it on the instance sent over versus like the, uh, property in the, uh, per fund.
0: Yeah. You know, the interesting thing about SCOM is, um, it, It doesn't see everything. I mean, I don't think there's any tool that actually sees everything. The user, I mean, you, the user, is going to see everything based on your, Yeah, it's not like you have one tool to fix your car. You have, like, a whole toolbox full of things, and that's not a bad thing. Um, I used to work at a company called Tivoli a number of years ago, and, you know, the thought was there was a big, giant system that could just handle everything, and it handled a lot of stuff, but it didn't do any one thing extremely well. And, you know, right. and ultimately an IT guy like yourself is responsible for doing that one thing extremely well, which is keeping the friggin' systems up and running. Right.
1: right. So,
0: um... So one of the things you might want to consider, like the person who asked this question, is um, to download the Microsoft SCOM app because you want to look in the rear view mirror wherever you are. Okay, so if alerts are happening in SCOM, you probably want to know about them in Splunk. If you take the alerts from SCOM and you, there's an app, a Splunk app for SCOM that will suck in the alerts and index the alerts in Splunk. Mm-hmm. Um, you can then see uh, a bit more information because Splunk might be monitoring the logs. It might be monitoring the web logs. Uh, you also might want to, like, let's say if it's an SCOM app, if it's an IIS application, you might actually want to monitor the source code of the app to see if it's ever changed. So you might want to do change monitoring and a few other things. And all of that data is easily eatable in Splunk. And you end up getting a, a really nice picture because, you know, I did this video um it's up on YouTube.com slash Michael Wild. I need to stick it somewhere on Splunk. And it's about Splunk and Microsoft SCOM and check it out. And it's exactly what I do. I actually shut down the, the service, um, the IS service, and the application pool still seems to be fine. So a bit more visibility in putting some of that stuff in Splunk would probably help you make your SCOM deployment more effective. So cool. Cool Leo. Okay. Um Upcoming stuff, just as a quick reminder, I go to splunk.com slash page slash events. Now, if you're listening to this, it is very likely that Splunk 4.2 already came out. So go ahead and download that thing next week. On uh, the next episode, we'll probably do an overview of 4.2, and we'll talk a little bit about the features that are there. Maybe we'll kind of skip the Q&A. Um, so there's some really cool things. Like I said, we'll cover that. Just as a reminder, um, this... In the month of March, we've got uh, user groups coming up in San Diego, Splunk Live in Sao Paulo, Brazil, Giga Ohm Structure Data Conference, a user group in Los Angeles, an info security conference in Brussels. Las Vegas has got Microsoft Management Summit and the Department of Energy's management con- Information Management Conference all the week of March 21st through the 25th. So it's a pretty big week. Um, maybe it's just a big week for IT shows in general. Why? I don't know. Maybe because it's before spring break. It's probably why they do it. Exactly. Um, and then in Boston, if you happen to be listening in Boston, uh, come on out to Splunk Live on Tuesday, March 29th. It's at the Westin Boston Waterfront. If you pop over to Splunk.com and, as I said, slash page slash events, there's a link to register. Splunk Live is usually a pretty cool event. Um, It's a little different than a user group because Splunk guys get up and present. Customers get up and talk and really talk about how they're solving it. There's usually some free grub involved, and sometimes there's free Splunk training. So if you're in that Boston area, you might want to check that out as well.
1: Yeah, Tim might be going up to that, too, probably from here. Oh, that's cool. From From the office, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, um, we we try to get a bunch of folks out there as well. So, cool. Uh, a couple other Splunk Lives coming up in April. You know, depending on when you listen to this, it might be um, it might have already passed, or it might be coming up. You know, the following week. Splunk Live Atlanta, April twelfth in Melbourne. Fortunately, you're going to have to make a decision whether you want to be in North America or Melbourne. But Melbourne, Australia, at uh, the same day, April twelfth. Also, Singapore. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my uh, God. OMG, uh, Tuesday, April 12th in Singapore. Wednesday, back down in Australia at Canberra. Wednesday, April 13th. God, that's Splunk Talk Splunk Live week. Thursday, yep. April 14th, Hong Kong. Thursday, April 14th, Sydney. Big um, A lot of stuff going on with Splunk Live. It must be like the season of Splunk Live, so that's cool. If you're in that area... Get on out there and get out those. Uh, uh, Get on out there and get out to those because aside from free grub, there's a lot of stuff that you will end up learning. And of course, always hearing real customers talk about how they solve problems with Splunk is often uh, more believable than us uh, barking about how awesome your life will be. So,
1: yeah, don't underestimate the value you can bring to somebody else if you're an expert in Splunk. Now, from you know, hopefully, from listening to Splunk talk and from using the product, you could help somebody else understand it and get the uh,
0: get their aha moment just like you had. You know. Yeah, that's a, it's a great idea because if you become competent in something in IT or even something in your life, usually there's a benefit to sharing that with other people. Like on a few years ago, there's this app for the Mac people around there called Quicksilver. It's like this launcher, weird sort of application control thing. And I did a video like three years ago now on this, on productivity. Why? Just because I like it. And I think I know a lot about it and it helps people. And I just put it out there, and people dig it. And that you know, I don't. Quicksilver's free, but if it was a pay application, I'd still do it. Yeah. And it's really about like taking my skills and enlightening other people that they can solve problems like I can, you know. And maybe some people think I'm on crack, and other people benefit from it. Either way, it's out there, and that's kind of the value of going to speak at a, a vendor's event, you know. Anyways, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? Uh, or uh. Wow, what does that mean? I don't know. Wow, what does that mean? I don't know. You know, I got tiger blood, man. Duh. Okay. All right. What did we learn this week? What do you got? You got anything, Maverick?
1: Um, let's see. I learned about I do. I learned about the Canadian Pharmacy Association standard formatted for all their uh, data that they send. It's pretty interesting. It's fixed length format and wow. I Wow, what does that was, mean?
0: <laughs> so
1: basically, if you're in Canada and you're in a healthcare organization and you have data that's flowing from pharmacies to to uh, hospitals or to patients or whatever, uh, and you have applications that interpret that data, uh, there's a standard and it's called the CH. Uh, I'm sorry, CPHA standard and I was learning about that this week and it basically you have request and response type things. It's kind of like the stuff with HL7. Yeah, 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 Yeah. HL7 and uh, request response type of uh, handshaking and the standard things you have to send and patient data's in there and the application data and IP address it's coming from and all that kind of thing and so on, a certain, in, in a message and stuff. And it's really, it's pretty interesting. I was able to build a whole thing around it uh, to show a customer, a Canadian based customer, um, you know, how they can use it instead of the database that they're using it in now um, because they're having to build something out for their help desk folks. And they want to be able to give them a, a way to flexibly go in and, and, you know, search for certain kinds of pieces of information, uh, all different kinds of ways that right now it's looking it would like it would take them a long time to imp- implement on top of their database structures. Uh, and whereas I did it in about two hours and so on. So it was awesome. Pretty, That's awesome. Yeah. Just on the raw data that came in before it went into the database, just the feed, you know, kind of thing. So that was kind of fun. I learned about that one. So.
0: That's winning. is <laughs>
1: Totally. All right. So I've got
0: I've got something that I was doing this week. I had um a friend of mine Where is he at? He's at Presidio CTI something like that. And he said it's 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 kind of interesting cuz so he's a customer, right? Right. Okay. And usually when a customer asks something, you take it like there's it's there's a reason, right? Or both, it's both, an existing both. customer and I've helped him out before. And he sends me an email or sends me and the guys from Xenos an email. Because we're both working with him. And he's like, you know, we have this really awesome badass dashboard, and it's super long. Like it's five or ten pages of Splunk data long. It's just long. It's a long dashboard, uh, yeah. vertically. And he said, uh, I want to take and make it scroll automatically. Uh when I load what is, the page, what, what does that mean? Wow, yeah, what does that mean? Yeah, exactly. Uh, wow, what does that mean? Yeah, good one. So it, uh, um, he has a, I guess a, I don't know. Maybe he wants to put it on a TV or something. Uh, this is before I found out why he really wanted it. Okay, so he, he uh, I think they wanted to like have it in a like a showcase or whatever. Uh, to show their performance of their management, one of the managing stuff for customers. So they wanted to be able to have this thing just sort of scroll. So yeah. I said, hmm, I wonder how you could do that. So I kind of thought, the Xenos dude suggested a browser plugin, and yeah, whatever. Mm, I don't really like that. I like the idea of having the browser and the page do it itself. So I start searching around for autos, for scrolling. There's got to be some jQuery stuff, because... For the folks, for folks that are like a little bit web development, Splunk at part of Splunk's UI is built um, using jQuery. Okay, so the jQuery JavaScript libraries included with Splunk, plus a few other libraries, so we can do a bunch of things to the page, which is not a bad idea. jQuery is a really great abstraction for modifying things within the DOM and and all that. So. I uh, find I find this uh, scroll. I find this auto scroll thing. It's a plugin for jQuery, um, and it's at uh, pr- plugins.jquery.com/project/slash a auto scroll. Like two a's in the word auto scroll, and mm-hmm. the um, so I start playing around with this. So how do you actually take some sort of external JavaScript and like make it work in Splunk? And here's how it works. In your app, let's say the search app, it's actually better if you make your own app because in your dashboard is, um, you know, in its own little island. Uh, you, there's a directory in there called app server slash static, and you can put information in there. Like you can put a CSS in there, some extra graphics, and you can put a JavaScript in there. So if your JavaScript is called application.js, at the very end of the page load, it will load what's ever in application.js, and um, you, can, uh, you can run JavaScript. Well, okay, uh, how do I actually take and put the JavaScript, uh, you know, when, when, normally when you put an HTML page, you put external JavaScript sources, like I want to use the jQuery, a, jQuery j, JavaScript. Uh, maybe I need to use timers, which is a jQuery plugin, and maybe I need to use the auto scroller plugin. Normally you put that inside of the HTML page. But the HTML pages are kind of hard to find, and they're based on some templating system that Splunk has. So what I basically did is took the source code of timers, the timers plugin, which you can find on jQuery's site, and the source code of the auto-scroll, and dropped them directly in uh, my application.js. So they're there, right? It's just legitimate JavaScript that's there. They're just methods that are waiting to be called. Right. Then... And in the meantime, I'm working with a developer of, j- of jQuery's auto scroll plugin, this guy by the name of Dan Gidman. He's a great dude. His cool. If you go to j- j- plugins.jQuery.com slash project slash A auto you'll see his links. You can check it out. He's got some demos because he never really designed the A auto scroll plugin to scroll an entire document. It's more like designed to scroll uh, elements in a document, like an iframe. Right. So, I'm working with him on it and he's trying some stuff because he's. I suck at JavaScript. Um, <laughs> I do. Uh, someday I'll be better at it. So, anyways, we end up getting this thing working. So, if you go to Splunk Talk's website, bit.ly slash Splunk Talk, and you click on it, it should go to our podcast. There's a link on the bottom for the analytics. Or if you go to bit.ly slash Splunk Talk Analytics, click on that thing, and you'll actually see the Splunk Talk Analytics dashboard scroll automatically, which is kind of a cute little effect. Cool. Now, one of the things we're trying to do now is figure out how to make it unscroll, like make it reverse when it actually hits the bottom. <laughs> um, so here's the weird scroll thing. Up, scroll up. Yeah, yeah, you want it to scroll up and down just continuously.
1: That was cool. That was All right.
0: Cool. So here's, the, here's the, uh, the other lovely part of the story. Customer says, Ah, oh, what I really wanted this on is to put it on my Google TV. So, <laughs> so when I was at home, I could oh. basically sit there and watch the thing go up and down. I'm like, Okay, really? yeah. Well, it works because Google TV just uses probably a version of Chrome. But I wonder if that customer has tiger blood. Maybe well, if he had said, I want to put this on my Google TV so I can watch it in my underwear, I probably would have blown him off. But yeah. you know what? It was it was a cool thing because I learned about JavaScript. I helped a plugin developer figure out another use case. And it's reasonable to potentially have Splunk dashboards on some sort of flat screen and potentially have them scroll up and down. So, hey, maybe the world is a better place. So It is. Of course it is. You know, I would hope so. Um, wow. What does that mean? I don't know. You know, I got tiger blood, man. That's what it means. Uh, okay. okay yeah so we probably won't be doing too many more um charlie sheen sound bites because by the time this airs charlie sheen will probably be um yeah in a straitjacket but anyways Cancelled.
1: canceled yeah.
0: reminder email splunk talk at splunk.com for questions comments feedback whatever and uh what do we say at the at the end of the episode maverick Happy Splunking! Have a great week, everybody. Happy Splunking! You all better watch out now, because Splunk is about to take over the world. One data center a time. Wow, what does that mean?